<laughs> Absolutely. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you so Thank much for you, being here. Matthew. To ask me, you know, a leg end. <laughs> <laughs> a hospitality leg well, end. <laughs> I thought, and I went, well, if we're going to do a series of hospitality, and, and it has to be said, I mean, when I speak to anybody about Terry Luckins, the, the esteem that you're held in is unbelievable. Jeez. You know, what I mean, but that's true. And it's funny. And the one thing that came across from everybody that spoke to was the sheer enjoyment that you took from doing the job that you done. And that, that, I mean, that shone through. And that, that was the one thing that everybody brought up. And I mean, like for all the years that I've known you. Yeah. Um, and the amount, I mean, you must have done thousands of events, sporting music. Now, obviously it shows, but <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how much how much encouragement can go on. It's like a Northern Irish ticking ticking time bomb. Excuse me. Of uh, when's the slide going to come? Oh, you know, <laughs> stop them. No, I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the, honestly, they just you. You really the way I always looked up, and I've I've even said this to people. You know, it's a good event if Terry Lackens is there, mm. and that was always said to the industry. God. How, you know, how do you come back after that? Like yeah, it's hard, Matthew. But God, I love it. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to take it on. And go <laughs> it. Was he really that influential? No, I wasn't. I was part of a big organisation that gave me the opportunity. It really did. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Diageo as it is today mm-hmm. was Guinness Northern Ireland, and um, they had they had the vision, mm-hmm. you know, to do you know events, everything from a small trade promotion right up to U2 Botanic. You know, they had that ability, they had that budget (laughs) (laughs) to do that sort of thing. And I was lucky enough, to be honest, to be the face of it. Um, I know (laughs) Jerry has said, you know, sort of your face was in more magazines. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you were... Photograph more than Princess Dad one time. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, <laughs> in fact, I've, I've heard people say you wore, you wore the Princess Dad of the North Ireland. <laughs> what were some of the most memorable events that you were a part of? God, Matthew. <laughs> to the nearest 20. <laughs> memorable event. Do you remember the uh, the U2 concert down at the, um, you couldn't call it Botanic, more Queen's University kind of ground. The the playground, sorry. Uh, Eamon McCann, does that mean uh, anything to you? Well, the guy that actually used to do the limelight across the corner uh, or across the street, and um, he had that alone. I I don't think he was with the MCD at the time, or he might have done it in his own, but I mean, it was massive. Uh, What was what was the tour? Uh, I'm trying to remember the, the U2 tour that was brought to that. Mm. Maybe you do, Matthew. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he had the idea that, and we had like, would you believe, four 40 foot containers of draft beer sitting along the, em- uh, the embankment uh, and, you know, trying to, to feed that into various bars which were lying just inside of the wire. Okay, and all the technical guys had set it up and it was perfect. And then Eamon decided that the way he would run the bar was a voucher system. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Well, yeah, they'll go to a stall. It's like sort of like, you know, as you make your queue, there'll be a box here and you'll pay money and you'll get a voucher to that value and you take it to the bar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, 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 as soon as the concert started, they opened the bars and the surge towards the bar. Literally, every, and there must have been five or six of these sort of, you know, voucher system. They actually knocked them all over. I mean, literally collapsed them. And it was just like they hit the bars one on, you know, sort of one. And the, the staff behind the bar, that was David Neely, by the way. Yes, was the manager right, yeah. across the room. And it was like, geez, David, what are we going to do? And he said, don't worry, we'll do it. And God bless him, he did. Class. Because it was a class act. And that stood out almost from a disaster mm. to something yeah. that, went, I mean, that's one of the best concerts that ever 
you know. And it was, as you said, it was huge. It was I mean, huge. I don't think, any, I don't think, I don't Belfast think anybody understood yeah. her, many yeah. people were going to hit that one. And it must have been, I know David Neely very well, and the only time Davies beat us when he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never beat that guy. Knows, yeah. Never beat that guy. A rough guess, how many uh, of the containers did you work your way through? Uh, I think we sold out. Seriously? Seriously. I mean, you know, it was massive. Wow. And I'm going to do a bit of promotion here. The best pint of Guinness you can get sometimes is one that comes out of that 40-foot trailer which came straight up from Dublin, parked itself, you know, fed into brand new lines, into a clear plastic glass which was never sort of adulterated with, you know, dishwasher or whatever, whatever, right? And into that. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And by God, <laughs> did we sell out. <laughs> so you could almost say that commercially that actually paid for itself. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I wasn't going to ask you this question, but now I feel like I have to. Oh, you I actually feel, em- me, I feel I mean. embarrassed about asking it, right? Why? Where was the best pint of Guinness you ever had? Oh. And wh- <laughs> 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 what have you got me into? Am I obliged to say, to say that John knew? <laughs> I think it'd be fair <laughs> to say you've had a few. Um. Oh, oh, God. There's, you know, to be honest, Matthew, uh, we did have a problem in terms of consistency right across the board, and you're right to, to acknowledge that. Um, it was all about trying to keep the standard of glass washing, clean lines, fresh fresh kegs and I can remember going into some establishments and seeing fresh beer sitting at the front and something that was two weeks old lying at the back because someone just didn't bother to, yeah. mm. to retake their stock and, and the simple things like rinseed sometimes too much rinseed in the glass washer yeah. and you remember that sort of condensation inside yeah, yeah, yeah. and you thought what's that and that was you know, like rinseed and mm. So it's very, very difficult today to yeah. say where is the best. But I would get into big trouble if <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned one. Well, let's get, let's do. Barred from bars. <laughs> from is, is, that a, is that a political answer? Do you have a uh, do you have a tap in your house that whenever you pull it, Guinness <laughs> just comes out? Do you have a life a lifelong I supply? To that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's his bath tap. <laughs> <laughs> so, lot. I mean, there's always the question. And yes, they have a bar in the house. But the, uh, <laughs> there was always a question that Guinness never travels well. And I always used to, I mean, one of the best pints of Guinness that I've ever had was in Malaysia. Well, In a pub in Malaysia. But as you say, it's it's from the keg to the top. It's and it's hard scored for. Absolutely. So when I used to always say to people, it's not that Guinness doesn't travel well. You can have Guinness in Singapore, Hong Kong, New York. It doesn't travel well from the keg to the top if it's not looked after. If it's looked after, you will get an amazing pint. Especially, I think, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, if you go to a house that sells a lot of Guinness, mm-hmm. so the Guinness is running, yes. if you go to a bar that sells a pint every three hours, <laughs> you're not going to get a good pint no, of Guinness. Absolutely. You know? And Matthew, there used to be a thing that sort of, you know, we tried to control in terms of what we... The, the company tried to control the royal it way. It was like sort yeah. of if it didn't turn over a certain val or a certain quantity on a weekly basis, we had to go and make the you know, the hard call and saying sorry, we're going to remove this tap mm-hmm. because it it was as critical as that. If you wanted consistency that you have today, you needed to take control of it rather than. Eh, yeah, there's also probably an element of repetition in there from a bar staffing perspective. Oh, it is. You know, like someone who's pouring three pints a day versus yeah. 80 pints a day. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, totally. I mean, and I mean, like, I, I can still remember <clears throat> getting into the likes of Kelly Sellers, and there was just as you say that, there would have been somebody just constantly pouring Guinness. Oh, totally. And then settled. Yeah. And I know when, we, when I was in Whites, we always had a keg underneath the counter. Yes. Which just and it was for the That's, regular punters you know, that come in. They were happy enough. It takes a wee bit longer to settle, <clears throat> but you were getting it fresh as a fresh you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it was just fresh from the keg. Yeah. And that that keg, I mean, you'd have been that keg one that went into a second day. Mm. You know, so it was fresh yeah. every time. Wow, it was tapped. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think my favourite pint of Guinness I've ever had. You'll feel like I'm about to be shot for saying this, but you well, said Malaysia, so I'm all good. Yeah. London Heathrow Airport. 
Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I had come, I was in Rwanda for three <clears> months <throat> and I hadn't had a lick or a taste or a sound of home <laughs> for the whole three months. And I remember waiting for my flight back to Belfast. I remember going into the wee bar, having a pint of Guinness and just having like, it felt like crying. Felt like crying into the glass because <laughs> it just took me straight back. Yeah. And I, like even looking at it, I was like, I was like, mesmerized by it. I was yeah. like, it, it almost looks purple. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Well, actually, you know, if you, if you study it in depth, there's, it's, you know, it has a, it's a good word, actually, purple, sort of, you know, um, if it looks up, it's not black. Mm. Yeah, it's more you like know, a ruby red almost. Yeah. That's the word, Jerry. Oh, ruby, ruby red. red. Yeah, I like that. Ruby I rolled red. up the ice for ruby yeah, red. Yeah, yeah. Very much ruby red. Wow, there you go. How many pints do you reckon you served <laughs> in your Over years? Mm. Quick miles. <laughs> I would... Uh, would you be talking kegs and I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. but I was—I mean, I'm. How many pints? Did I you must have admit, and, and I have to say this: Idiot. I mean, Idiot. I always took great pride in pouring a pint of Guinness mm-hmm. Thank and you. giving it the time to settle, and and I think that showed. Yeah. Whenever you were serving, and if you take like anything that you do. I think you would take pride in the job that you do. And you're observed, the, the by the way, Jerry. Exactly. You know, you know, oh, yeah. If you look at the Guinness community, you know, have their own sort of, you know, shall we say, website. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, they yeah. sort of post up various, you know, what results are. Um, exactly, yeah. And they take a lot of pride um, in that. What was that, it about hospitality that drew oh, you in? Because you obviously you. thrived in that. But, like, if you think back, yeah. what was it that kind of was the magnet? I suppose my career, you know, from uh, from school, uh, <laughs> for what it was, <laughs> from Larkfield Secondary School, leave <coughs> at fifteen, get a job in the BBC as a as a gopher, um, and then what does that mean? Just running stuff? Yeah, I mean, in those days, you know, if there was an outside um, broadcast in a sense, sorry, <laughs> an outside recording, there's a great guy, great cameraman called Cyril Cave, and I had to accompany him and literally get that reel back into the studio uh, or actually to the editors for them to edit whatever they were covering, you know, whatever that subject was. And it had to be on the uh, the desk of the editor hmm. by something like four o'clock. So Class. it was a sort of morning recording. The reel it was stuck in my hands and it was like buses or trains or whatever. Yeah. So that kind of job. And then the other jobs were just running in between the departments, mm-hmm. you know, and if that, if, that had a, if that had worked out, you could have been the Eamon Holmes. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there, there was an offer of a, of, a, of a scene man, you know, to get on the yeah. studio floor, but I, I screwed that up. So <laughs> I'll not say any more than that. And then sort of uh, a job at um, uh, Ford in, in with J.E. Coulters in Chester Street. But I always had part-time jobs in bars, Matthew. Nice. I, mean, I don't know why, other than maybe I like making money. <laughs> <laughs> and that started, you know, from, oh God, now we're, like, we're going back now here. That's so, okay, let's go back. Uh, I like and, going back. And that, it, it did. Um, I mean, there was a place called, well, Just Jerry's, The Pound. Um, it all started from the farmer's rest up in East Belfast. Um, a guy called Arnie Knowles, who ran the Marquee Club, um, in it wasn't Hill Street at the time. Uh, what was the one just round from the Herc? It was down in Avenue. Can't remember. Um, so I always had part-time jobs in bars, even though when I had maybe a day job. It was, and so it all started with me. I love this hospitality industry. It's just, yeah. you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it so it grew from there. It really grew from there. So to the point when. I was doing various part-time jobs from milkman to mobile DJs and so on. <laughs> David Donnelly, I don't know if that name means anything yep. to you. Yeah, he was he was a rep at uh, Scottish Newcastle Breweries and he phoned me one day and I don't know where I was. Um, but he says, Terry, there's a guy leaving and uh, I think you might be in with a chance. Went down yeah. Scottish Newcastle interview with the actually managing director and he turned out to be Ian McKinley of McKinley's Whiskey, and like fast estates in Scotland and all the rest of it. And he said, all right, Lockins. He said, yeah, I think you could do the job for us. Now I was a long-haired freak at the time <laughs> to, to GJ. And I went, oh, OK, right. He said, but you need to see a sales manager. And that was a guy called Peter Sullivan. can't remember. 
and give me the job. And it started from there, from mm. Scottish Newcastle, 13 years 13 in sales. Years. It was yeah. a long time. It was. For Lincoln Indian. That yeah. was a different sort of scenario. Different scenario. It's all bottled beer then yeah. too, Jerry. You know, you got up at East Belfast and all those bars along, you know, New Nords Road. Uh-huh. And you were getting 100 cases of this and 200 cases yeah. of that monk, we, you know, wee Willie Brown and all the rest of it. And, and Furnish, you must have been very good at your job because at that well, time... Yeah. Uh, would have been, those would have been all tied houses. They were. That would have been, it either been Croft Inns or a Bass correct. house. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, been, what's what, a tied what, house? Well, a tied house that you would have, like I can remember the Bass houses always had red doors. So I've had a red door, it was, the pump was a Bass house. Right. And it meant that you could only, on your pumps, you could only have their products. Wow. You could put certain stuff in the fridges, it's, but the pumps... Uh, because basically what they were doing, they would subsidise what you were buying from them and, and just make you offers that you couldn't refuse, <laughs> really. Um, yeah, from a, do you want a carpet in the lounge? Yeah, exactly. oh, well, yeah, yeah. If you were doing refurbishment... Or you really you wanted, couldn't refuse it. If you wanted a TV I mean, or, you know... It still goes on today, Jerry. Yeah, not, not to the not same extent. Not to the extent, same extent, but, you know, but, you know, there was a big swathe of that throughout... Belfast, mm. uh, where you know, were you a Bass House, were you a Guinness House, and yeah. that was down to as it increased, and you know, the money being, shall we say, lent, if you want to put it that way, yeah. had consequences about what you could sell. Yeah, it 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 divides an awful lot of people in their opinions of what it does to the trade. Yeah, but you know that that <coughs> tied house system ran for quite a while. Yeah, it's certainly not the same anymore. Interesting. But, or is it? Anyway. I I think though certainly not. I mean, it's it's opened up a lot more. And I think because um, I mean I remember having discussions with like the Guinness guys when I was in the Hoop because the Hoop yeah. was well the one. I mean, we had at one point I think eighteen different pumps in the bar. Yeah. And I put all the full range of Guinness, and I have to say Guinness were extremely supportive. But it was always in the, in the sort of the idea of the hood that we would have a choice of local craft beers, beers from Germany, beers from America, beers from around the world. Yeah. And that brought people in. It did. Because like when I remember when it was the Boss and Croft Inns, mm-hmm. and that, it was, you knew, when you walked into a, a Boss house, you knew it was going to be on the counter. Mm. There was no surprises yeah. when you went into the Croft Inns part. You knew it was going to be on the counter. Interesting. So there was no, there was never any surprises. Yeah. Where now you go in and we have choices of beers from all around all the world, which is brilliant. Yeah. And even local. And you think now, um, you know, down at Yardsman or yes. you know, um, White House or uh-huh. sorry, um, Maggie's Leap. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Maggie. You know, it has been it has been for the better. Yeah, it has. You know, although I work for one of those large companies that had that influence and mm-hmm. could, you know, shall we say, finance the demands of you know uh, people that wanted it. Um, it was kind of uncomfortable at times that it locked someone down, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. didn't give them the opportunity to to buy into the local guys who were really doing the best they could, but mm-hmm. finding it very difficult to get into a, what I would call a locked house. Yeah, yeah. Where was your uh, where was your milk route? Lisbert. Oh, yeah. You've always had very uh, public facing jobs. (laughs) When you worked at Ford, was it sales or what were you doing at Ford? Sales. Sales, yeah. yeah. That was trainee sales, um, which is just cheap labour. (laughs) (laughs) What do you you think? Is there a connection between hospitality and sales? Oh, yes. Tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Um, Really, it is the face. it's the face and the personality, you know. Um, anyone that is a reasonable uh, personality and empathy with the person at the other side that you're you're with, that makes it. Yeah. That you, if you understand each other, even in the most heated situations, and I, God, I went through some heated situation, but if you understood why he was as angry as he was, then you could actually do something about it. Mm. You could sort of say, Very well I, put, I, I, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's the art of communication, really, isn't it? Absolutely, Jerry. Because, I mean, I must admit, like, in my times in bars, and touch wood, like, I don't think I've actually ever barred anyone. Because you know, there's no point barring anybody. You always just say, look, it's best you go now. Come back tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Yes, absolutely. And then that diffuses the whole situation. and that. Yeah. But as you say, it's that art of knowing what way to 
to control the situation. Yeah. Or yeah. A, what way a conversation should go. Yeah. And it's the art of communication between two people. And that goes across whether it's sales or hospitality. That, or, uh, uh, it's all it's to do it's with any, negotiation. Any, any workplace or industry where you are face-to-face with someone. Mm-hmm. What do you think today? We'll lose quite a bit. I was just about to go call, there. Yeah. It's all call centres yeah. and it's all... Yes. There's yeah. no actual yes. face-to-face. Uh, absolutely. I agree yeah. with you totally. Well, one of the things I love about producer Roscoe over here is he ha- used to have a part-time job in a shop, right? When he was maybe 16? Good on uh, you. End of last year. Yeah. So I uh, I was a busboy when I was 16. Yes. Now, uh, I love that. I think everybody should work... <clears throat> In, should be a busboy <laughs> at some point in their life. You see, the, the skills. Hospita- I, I'm sorry, Matthew, I cut across you and say that the hospitality industry, for what it, I'm just going to you know, get on to, it gives you worldwide yeah. opportunities. I mean, if you think of the people that sort of, you know, that have started from bar people, you know, uh, McKeever, Eugene McKeever, mm-hmm. you know, bar person in, in uh, what do you call Course Corner? Course Corner, yeah. Owns now what four or five hotels, mm. and he gives anybody an opportunity yeah. to better themselves. He start them, you know, whatever they want. Do you want to work in the kitchen? Do you mm-hmm. want to? And they grew, and they yep. grew, and they grew, and it's all over. I mean, even the Hastings Hotel Group, you know, you know, a massive, massive hotel chain. But they will give anybody an opportunity. Yeah. And if you think sort of like it's all right, it's all long hours and no money. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tough at the start. Of course, it is. Yeah. It's always tough to start with, even you know <laughs> in the shop. I'm sure. But I'm saying that sort of once you literally stick by it, it'll send you anywhere you want to yeah. go. Yeah. Better than that, I've I know some engineering companies and whatever mm-hmm. companies, hospitality gives you an opportunity to the yeah. world. And it's interesting, like. I talk with a lot of people from here who live overseas. Yes. And there's this common. Uh, understanding that if you're from whether it's Northern Ireland or the Republic yes. you have a superpower yeah, that very few people in the world have and it's the ability loved. to connect yeah. with yeah. anybody yeah absolutely and I think now maybe I'm you know I'm I'm nearly 30 I'm ass. getting I'm getting really old now okay I'm really <laughs> getting on in years you know I'm, I might just be being a grumpy old man here <laughs> if he starts talking about the age Sherry I'm out of here <laughs> but I no, maybe it's just because I you know you become a bit cynical or whatever but I'm not sure if as many people have that I'm talking about younger generations, yeah. the ability to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I have a theory, this is totally just bar stool, uh, yeah. you know, theory. Why? That people aren't working in hospitality the way they used to. They're not getting those jobs when they're 15, 16. They're holding off a little bit longer and they're actually losing that interfacing with the general public. That's really, really hard, but shapes you in a good way. Is it? Do you think, Matthew, it's because they don't want to or they're not getting the opportunity to? It's funny, we were we were chatting to uh, another guy in here called Mark just before mm-hmm. uh, you guys came. He works here. He also makes podcasts. Really great guy. And we were saying that we think the way education's kind of gone. used to be you could have left school at 16, no bother. And now, then, then a culture kind of came, well, to get opportunities, you really need to stay and do your A-levels. And then it went a step further. It was like, well, if you want the best opportunities you should really go to university and then it's well a bachelor's degree that's nothing you need to go and get a master's and then it's like oh your master's is nothing where's your PhD and it's everything's kind of just got extended out and out and out and out and out and the priority has been on we've put so much emphasis on academic education that I think everything else has fallen to the side to your detriment and uh, I'm really excited there's an amazing company in here I'd love to tell you about after this called uh, Work Plus and their whole thing is Getting apprentices, getting apprenticeships yeah. up and running yeah. for yeah. people who are 16, yeah. 17, 18, yeah. people yeah. who want a career change at 30 yeah. Yeah. and actually giving people that opportunity that doesn't involve a, you know, a 30 grand in debt university degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, he's saying amen over here. <laughs> you know, I'm fair play to, to Roscoe that he keeps that second job because, you know, he obviously gets him something, you know, in terms of like communication. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. it. I love it. That's what I'm saying is that sort of you don't need to run through that university career. I, I mean, I started working, as you say, with the BBC at 15. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a brilliant opportunity. But 
how many people, you know, when they go into the hospitality industry, either because they want to earn a few quid, um, and they have this attitude which is like, oh, this is only like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's not. Yeah. It is absolutely not. It is the start of something. Yeah. If you're, if you're determined enough to sort of say, right, I can see something in myself here. I can, you know, there's Colin Neal up at the Hospitality Ulster. They run courses now. Jerry, mm-hmm. am I right in yep. saying that, you know, encouraging people, you know, to, to get into it uh, and a career path that can take you anywhere. Mm. And, you know, something you don't have to spend your life trying to pay off a university debt. Yeah. Sorry to the universities, but no, hospitality can take you anywhere you want to yeah. be and who you want to be, mm. whether it's working for a drinks company, whether it's just in working for a hotel organisation, way to go. Yeah, And I mean, it's... The good thing as well, as you were saying about hospitality, also, but also the likes of chefs like Michael Dean and Nell McCaff, oh. they're starting oh. to get new, yeah. because nobody wants to be a chef anymore. Yeah. But I think when you were talking about, um, you know, what is the reason that people don't sort of have that? And I think it actually goes back much further than that, because the one is for something that Ed knows this, kids don't go out and play anymore the way they used mm. to. So there's, there's none of that interaction. When kids come home from school, they're on an iPad or a computer. Oh, now we're preaching. I and love they're it. talking the mates all up. Oh, I've got I've got three thousand mates. You don't have any mates. You've <laughs> <laughs> got three thousand people that you speak to you online that you have no clue about. And like when I was a kid, we went out and we fell and we got knocked oh, up to the eyeballs it, yeah. and uh, you fell from trees and I'd thank you. And you you were you were mixing with other kids. Yeah. And then when you went to work, you you already had the foundation of being able to communicate with another human being. Yeah. That's being eroded. Mm-hmm. Then a lot of them, when they go to work, they're going to call centres, mm-hmm. where again, they're sitting in front of a screen. Yeah, it's boxed off. And that would need to do something to get people back into Yes, the, yeah. You know, I think, and it's starting from too much of an early age mm-hmm. where we're being withdrawn from communicating with each other. That's really interesting. It is, because, you know, you're talking right about the playground. Yeah. You know, and the playground, when I grew up in Stockman's Lane, I mean, was, you know, just a... Well, it was classed as being out in the country. Uh-huh. But, you know, sort of West Belfast... Was it really? Oh, it no was. Way. Absolutely. Stockman's Lane... Oh, Terry, as, as stop you, it. Honestly, no Matthew, way. If you drive up Stockman's Lane was today... Considered if the you countryside. Look to, if, you stop, <laughs> if you look to your right, you can see what used to be. And then when you go into the sort of big roundabout for the motorway roundabout, as it was... Yeah. Um, actually, as you before you go up Kennedy Way... Yeah. On the left-hand side, you'll see like like an opening. Okay, that was the rest of Stockman's Lane, and that's where I was born. Class, and you know the roundabout, which is Kennyway roundabout, where there's um, what is it up there, Sainsbury's and Asda, and yeah. all the rest Kennedy of it. Centre and all that. that yeah, that was my primary school wow. at roundabout. Yeah, and that really was out in the sticks. That's you know. Well, it's funny now you say it because I remember. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. When, <laughs> I, when we moved up, and the bus, the furthest. The bus went. Casement Park. It was around about on. Well, yeah, sorry, Casement a, Park. I'm sorry, Jerry, I'm, I'm preceding you because no, it was yeah. the tram turn around. It was the tram at Casement. <laughs> and then on the Glen Road. You said went, too much, Terence. It only, went, <laughs> it only went as far as St. Teresa's. And there was a roundabout there because there was no houses out there. No, that's crazy. Well, it was all farms no, and meat I mean, country houses. Between and, us and the Donegal Road was a bog. Yeah. Which the motorway is now, you know, but. That was a bog. bog was a bog meadows, yeah. yeah. I well, when I was living in Donegal Road, like I shared before we were on, I remember walking down. It's at the park centre there. Yeah, it is just where Balls and Falls is. Yeah, and stumbling into this bog, and there was goats, and there was geese, and I was like, "What on earth is this place?" And it was only when I was chatting to uh, May Blood, God rest her. Oh, she was saying that. Wonderful. You know, that whole area was just all no motorway, no nothing. The only thing there, you know, was between the bog. Uh, and the Falls Road was the graveyard. Yeah. You know that was that was it. Oh, sorry. And the the sewerage works were between it yeah. uh, and Stockman's Lane. But then the yeah. funny thing again is, and as we've said, there was very little laughed at. The bus only went that far. That's right. But back then, I mean, where Sainsbury's is now, that was a Lucasian factory. You went on up the road a bit, and you had. Um, well, it would have been Caffrey's Bureau. Yeah. Then it became Boss Ireland. Yes. So there was a lot of industry. Mad. There was. Oh, that's all gone. Yeah. 
In fact, where where you see, you know, Asda today and Sainsbury's today used to be Eastwood Metals. That's right, yeah. Eastwood Metals, yeah. And they had, you'll remember this, they had a big crane. They did. With a magnet on it. And at the end of the magnet was a double-decker bus. <laughs> They just used to hang. Matthew used to hang it. Just to hang it. I think you guys early, you, early you've had a phone call before this, but right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go in. We're going to uh-huh. sell this guy up the river. <laughs> there was just you saying about Eastwood Scrapyard. And for some reason, and I might correct, or maybe I am, um. just a this, but I think they did. Didn't they light the bus up at Christmas? Yes. Light up at Christmas. Yes. I had Christmas lights on it. Wow. Yeah. But it was just on this big round magnet, and it was a double bag that hung there for years. <laughs> I don't think the magnet class. was ever used. Jerry, I used to play in the yard and get. You know, but you're going to in the bus. bus. <laughs> he used to go up, have a few cans with the get boys, get chased out of it. <laughs> Just, just oh, stop it, Matthew. Oh, we've, got to, we've got to get back to the reality. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. But yeah. I, I think Terry made a really interesting point. So there is a real movement. I would say, like, older than 16. So if you want to say millennial or slightly younger than millennial, mm-hmm. of people trying to get away from screens. You know, people are people are switching to phones like are this they? now. People are throwing away their TVs in their house. They're coming off social media. And they're looking for jobs that doesn't involve them sitting down eight hours a day plus on a laptop. People are turning to Seriously? like uh, like organic farming and they're picking apples and they're, they want to work in coffee shops because they're so, you know, they're checking out of the corporate world. Uh, you know, you see it with even things like bicycle messengers. You know, pe- like bicycle yeah. messengers are like uh, what Roman gods were to the Romans now. You know what I mean? They're yeah. they're, they're valorized because yeah. they're like these guys. They're you know they quit their job in the law firm. They're working on the bike. They're out in nature, and it just hit me. Hospitality is an amazing offering for people who oh, don't want to sit any at a desk. And I think, as Terry said as well, <clears throat> not just is it a, a brilliant job for learning social skills and everything else, but the opportunities that it gives you to travel. Mm. Have you? It. I mean, the likes of like. As Terry said, tastings hotels, just for an example. But any good hotel group, if you went to another hotel, and they're all they all have their connections, because yeah. you're all in different hotel groups, and you wanted to move to New York, I would say, chances are that you'll be able to be able to at least be able to, be able to put in contact with somebody. Mm. If you're good at your job, they'll nearly be fighting over you. Janice um, Gold at the Hotel Federation, and you know she coordinates that's right, yeah, the, yeah. all the, all of that sort of hotel. Um, shall we say what's a web um, you just have to ring her up Yeah, she is the most accommodating person I know who will sort of say I tell you who you should talk to and she'll put you straight in front of either Eugene McKeever you know, or one of the Hastings family yeah. or any of the, the hotel groups you know, and saying look have a chat with them because they have connections too yeah. you know. where's the uh, kind of two prongs where's the most unusual place your job took you and maybe the most exciting Oh God! Oof. Unusual. Uh, probably no, nothing. Nothing unusual. They're mostly Matthew um, around sort of big events uh, in Europe. It would have been the likes of the Ryder Cup down at uh, Soda Grande or Paris for rugby or Rome for rugby, taking a group from here to that. Um, oddest. Probably in Ireland, <laughs> and I went to um, a sponsorship that wasn't, you know, one of my own, but because I was played an all an all Ireland route um, or an all Ireland game with all the sponsorships. Um, there was one which was I'm trying to remember the name. It was down on the west coast, and it was something to do with shall we say mating? If you if you, if you want to put it that, that crudely, it was something. Oh. It was like boys and girls who were single and, you know, this, out this in the wind. Vaughan, is it? That's the very this one. Vaughan, Thank yes. you. Look at that. <laughs> How did I know that? Look at that. Whenever you, were, you no, said the word mating, I was like, hang on a second. He didn't say mating. He said something else. And Jerry's like, I know the no, very place. I always, I always remember. <laughs> Christy Moore had done a famous song oh, Christy about Christy Moore. And all that, there's a name, the marriage makers or the, yes, the yeah. there's a name. And they all meet there. So you basically go and you... Looking for... Oh, it's like an open market. Oh, totally. 
Wow. But it's for all the people who really work in rural farms. Right. So their, their neighbour might be 10 miles down the road. And they used to go to this. It's a big festival every year. That's phenomenal. Here, you um, make a note of that, Roscoe. We'll bring, you, we'll bring you there over the summer. And <laughs> Guinness were one of the sponsors. You'll, you'll go, you will go a boy and come back a <laughs> yeah. man. Get yourself a good country woman. <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably classifies as one of the most unusual. Yeah, 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 yeah. The biggest yeah. ones. Matchmakers. Like, you just call them matchmakers. So yeah. you go, and there's these professional matchmakers. Class. And you go and basically they'll get you... Yeah, lined up and <laughs> I, I never knew that took place here. I when I, I lived in Manhattan for three years, and in there you meet all you, every job you could imagine. You meet it there, as you can imagine. And uh, we met a few professional matchmakers, and I was like, "You're pulling my leg." And they're like, "You, you see, ever seen that movie Hitch, the Will Smith movie?" Yes. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." They're like, "Yeah, that's that's my job." And you're like, "Phenomenal." Lesnar, what in Manhattan? Did yeah, you see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here it's a big market though because you know. You're not, it's, it's you're, so not, you're not talking about Irish uh, farmers. You're talking about, you know, Wall Street hedge funds, yeah. managers that are so busy and disconnected from the real world that would happily pay somebody stupid money yeah. to, 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 to find, put them together. Yeah, find someone yeah. decent. So, yeah, oh funny world. Yeah. And you, I'm, say, I'm guessing that you would have met quite a few celebrities, but the big events at these sponsored okay. events. So Look at him fishing. He's just going like this. <laughs> no, but no, oh God, no. no, no, but they always say, you know, never meet your hero. So, did that ever, was there anybody that you went, oh my God? And then you meet them and you go, what the? No, I, I, you know, in terms of heroes, uh, no, not um, in the music business, which I, you know, yeah. I love, uh, I, I love music. Um, you know, we, we, we would maybe have uh, level 42 at the yeah. Ulster Hall um, or. Maybe at the arena there would be uh, Mark Knopfler, um, you know, playing with yeah, yeah uh, Dire Straits. Uh, but no, I never actually got to meet. I only <laughs> got to say it was I met uh, was uh, <laughs> Mr. Morrison. <laughs> nice, right. found the man. Found the man. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know he literally doesn't like. People, <laughs> to talk like to people at either. all, and we were just in the same room, and it was like, "How quickly can I get out of here?" <laughs> 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 and I, I understand. I mean, you know, he is what he is, and absolute genius. Yeah. Um, but you know, and he when, still, when he it still comes goes to for his we afternoon tea in the Culloden every other day. Class. Tell me, Derry. I, you know, was um, Ian Sands. Um, one of the things we started uh, was the Blues in the Bay down in, yep. in Warren Point Stroke. Uh, um, well, Warren Point, and Ian, you know, because of how good he is and what he does, attracted the likes of Van mm-hmm. because he loved that small, intimate concert venue yep. that it created, and you know he. He loved it down there. Loved mm. it down there. Came back twice, three times. Um, in fact, of the sponsorships that are that were created out of, you know, from what the Guinness in- involvement was, um, the Blues in the Bay is still going. Yeah. yeah. And the Jazz Festival is huge for oh, us, yeah. isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's the Cork Jazz Festival yeah. being the biggest yeah. oh, one, isn't it? Massive. Massive. Wasn't a great fan of Jazz, by the way. <laughs> 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 What are you into? Because you know, I know you're in the music. Oh, God. Um, the DJing days were like was late 60s, early 70s. What were uh, you uh, disc jockeying back then? Yeah, I was, uh, I was various. Because it was a mobile disc, it was, start, was the start of that stuff. Um, I ended up in Kelly's in Portrush with nice. James Kelly oh, wow. and uh, did... We did a residency there. Oh my goodness! <coughs> and did you have a, did you have a name like we DJ? Oh stop it! Don't. Oh he does. You know, right? <laughs> he does. No, but don't. I be honest. Oh Tell come on! Someone. I had no idea. Oh come on! I, I'm going to kill myself here. <laughs> Sweetie tea. Sweetie tea. <laughs> nice. There's very few people know that until now. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows it. <laughs> Sweeney Todd. I don't know where that came from. Was it like Sweeney Todd? <laughs> tea for Todd? No. Okay. Tea for Terrence? Let's go on. No, I think I, I just had it. I think I'm suddenly sort of saying, he's a hell of a sweet tooth. I mean, he eats chocolate <laughs> and, instead of drinking pints and, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, back in those days, I mean, Kelly's—that's a big gig. It was. It was. was Because I mean, used to be buses went from like everywhere. Well, that was that was after me. 
I mean, sorry, I mean, yes, it it was popular. It was very, very popular. But, I mean, what it became and what James Kelly did to that place was awesome. But, I mean, once the Sweetie Tea was playing, like, you had to get up. (laughs) (laughs) The bus was brilliant. Translink had the... Commission a whole new fleet. <laughs> no offence, no offence to the to the Kelly family, but I mean, you know, sometimes you ended up sleeping in a bath <laughs> because you know you had to stay overnight. It was so late when you finished. Absolutely, and, and you know the rooms were, well, shall we say? Um, <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, wait, I <laughs> yeah. certainly imagine you couldn't. You know, you couldn't. That's find part of the lifestyle you bought into, though, isn't it? Uh, You've got the stories to tell. Oh, absolutely. Uh, ice hockey, playing oh, ice hockey in the sixties. That is ahead you of the curve. Know that, no, didn't know that. How crazy is that? King, Kings Hall um, today, obviously a whole change of face, um, but that was the ice rink. It was owned by a guy called Trevor Kane, um, and there was another guy, George, somebody or other, that they sort of that they owned it together. And I lived in Stockman's Lane, <coughs> and when they opened up the ice rink, it was like magnet. You know, it was just a place to go. You know, in the 60s, 70s, it was like sort of, you know, not a lot about, you know, in terms of how to entertain yourself. I actually remember one particular very, very bold winter and we skated down the path or the pavement of Stockman's Lane. (laughs) (laughs) Ruined my boots, by the way. uh, And then the ice hockey thing started up um, and there was a league. There's the, the, the wings, the Red Wings, Belfast Racers, various other teams, and I um, started playing ice hockey. Amazing. And um, two two league championships. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, mate, isn't every day a school day? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do this job. <laughs> Honestly, if you had told me, was there ice hockey in Northern Ireland in the 60s, I would have said no. I had no idea. I yeah. honestly thought that Belfast Giants was when it started. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I mean, I was aware of the ice rink, but I thought it was just a commercial Commer- And it was and mostly, yeah. but I mean, but I didn't you know, know about the yeah, yeah, I mean, sort of two nights a week, there was training uh, wow. and then a game on a Friday night. Uh, so was it all, um, were you playing all Ireland teams or? No, it was one, it was only Northern Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it was all Belfast. Really, you know, it was taken from a lot of people that lived on the periphery mm-hmm. of, of Belfast Central. Um, right and would you still go to games now, Terry, down at the... No, honestly. Yeah. And to be honest, Jerry, when uh, one of the options I had was of two corporate boxes <laughs> at the <laughs> to look after yeah. at the arena. And um, t- at the early days, I had sort of like 12 cedar boxes, two of them, and to try and fill them with you know hospitality people sort of saying would you like to come along on my behalf and so yeah. it was very difficult to begin with yeah uh, no it's bloody massive oh yeah yeah i have a mate works for what's that big pharma company uh almac uh-huh. and there they have like a lottery system to get to put your name in just for the running to get a, a seat into it you know what i mean yeah and I'd actually going back to the concerts you know again i was mr trade per, uh, yeah uh, trade relations thing <coughs> and again two boxes to fill and we had Rod Stewart and you would had uh, Lionel Richie uh, you name all the, yeah. the group I had <laughs> no offence to some public but I get phone calls sort of like you know the last minute saying sorry Terry I can't make it tonight it's Lionel Richie they were taking it because it was a free ticket and rather than and then I will and then they forgetting yeah so I, you know, I made a lot, a lot, a lot of good friends yeah. because it was last minute sort of fills. I've got a couple of tickets for Lionel Richie tonight. Would you? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and in the corporate box as well. Do you know something? Anybody now listening? You know, from Diageo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they weren't all. They weren't all hospitality. <laughs> anyway, what's your uh, miraculous escape story? Oh God. That was something else. DJing, we talked about earlier, and uh, Milkman. Right. Uh, New Year's Eve, and the trouble you had New Year's Eve in <coughs> doing a milk round was that you sort of went out in your morning shift, and then you had to do your evening shift on a Friday, as it fell then, I think, or was it Saturday, to collect your, the money for the week. So, you know, you're out twice. Mm-hmm. Instead of finishing maybe sort of at two o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, and then 
falling asleep, you know, I had to go back out again with a saddlebag and sort of saying, excuse me, you owe me, you know. Yeah. And um, my better half actually used to sit and help me do that. Class. <laughs> she used to sit in the milk crate on the left-hand side and sort of, <laughs> you go up there and it's four pounds, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we went from that to getting home and I was doing a gig at the Wellington Park Hotel. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what time it finished that, Matthew, but it was certainly 12 o'clock. She lived in East Belfast and um, I had the MGB, which I'd always promised myself I would buy. That's a whole different story. And um, drove her home. Um, I think we probably got home about to her house about one o'clock. And then I'm heading back to Lisburn. Fell asleep at the wheel. Remember the cycle path that used to be on the left-hand side of the Sydney bypass? Mm-hmm. There's a curb and a cycle path and sort of protected. Well, the MG just hit that at whatever speed I was when <coughs> I was asleep. Hit that, took off at about six feet and hit a lamppost, electricity lamppost, if I remember rightly. Yes, I got a bill for Oh, well, sorry. And it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> split the car in half. Yo. From the passenger side, Lindsay had him in there dead. Oh, God. Piled itself into the railway. What, you think of D Street Bridge, Matthew, if you know D Street into the... I do, yeah. 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 In there, and like sort of come around and sort of... <laughs> gaga. But I got out of that car, made it to the central reservation, which was just a grass bank, mm-hmm. and fell against the grass bank. You know, <sighs> what the hell? Two guys that run across the road and they're looking all over. They're, they're looking on the railway line. They're looking all the right. I'm so, I'm over here. <laughs> Walked out of that. Uh, got into the, um, the the entrance gate or whatever to 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 the uh, to the yard. They phoned uh, police and phoned my dad. He came but saw the car before he saw me yeah. and couldn't believe it. In fact, that I was still alive. Mm. And that made the front pages of the Belfast Telegraph the following day. Wow. wow. Miracle escape. Incredible. Do you know what I walked out with? A broken finger. Wow. There's an add-on to that because the Ulster Motor Show started up then and the police traffic branch took over the Thropney bit and put up big various screens yeah. about, you know, don't do drink and drive and don't do, do this. Yeah. And there, and on a, it's probably the size of that wall, was the MG crashed and all, you know. Mm. And I walked in with friends and we stood and looked at this thing. And the guy stand, standing and looking after the stand, he said, took him home in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they didn't. I was, I was the guy that walked out of that and only had oh. a broken. He literally shoved me off the stage. Wow. <laughs> That's not what the one That's not the message we want to hear. <laughs> Stay on message. <laughs> Sorry about you did ask. Phenomenal. Wow. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, that is unbelievable. unbelievable. Luckiest skip, I think. Are you are you changed after something like that? Uh, did, it, did it change your life? Because like, here's the thing. Something like that happens. Two weeks, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you kind of get back to normal life. Was there any uh, kind of permanent thing that you took away from that? I was probably young and foolish enough uh, not to take in, in what it really meant that I actually had got away from. Um, because I got so many speeding fines after that, isn't true? Cut that out, Roscoe. <laughs> uh, go back then, just that wee bit there. I'm interested, like you say, you always wanted to buy you know, the MGB and you mm-hmm. finally did. What does that mean? Did you have it? I th- see, there's a Northern Irish thing in myself where you don't like to get yourself nice things or you feel like you shouldn't. Was there any of that? There is a bit of that, uh, but then it was always about motoring, uh, you know, and I have uh, have a desire to sort of, you know, enjoy myself. I sat as a navigator uh, in rallying um, for a guy called, in fact, Marty Moore, who was my um, best friend from Days of School, and uh, we went rallying. So it was always a motorsport interest, so hence the interest in motor cars, mm. uh, which I've always had. So I always, you know, looked at this, that and the other and what I wanted and so on. Did I take any consideration of the safety of it in the early times? Probably not. Mm. Or hence, you know, wouldn't have, you know, got caught into various, <laughs> yeah, should we say speeding. Yeah. Which I, you know, put yeah. my hand up. I was stupid about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Cool. And then after, did you rush, rush out and get another MG after the... No. Yes, no? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I, that, that, that was, Jerry, one of those um, situations where, look, it's gone. Um, I'm lucky to come out of that. Yeah. Um, just get on with life. I mean, in those days... <sighs> There was so much going on, Jerry. I mean, this was like sort of, you know, before the troubles mm-hmm. and the opportunities in Belfast. And Belfast had a buzz about it that you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It, it was superb. I was in um, the Pound, you know, the Pound yep. Club. Yeah. Um, just Jerry's um, <coughs> when Tito's was running uh, as, a, as a cabaret lounge. Yep. Um, the opportunities were all over the place. I was in Arnie's bar uh, uh, with... Uh, you know, just below the Abercorn. Yeah. And um, God, the nights we used to have. In it. So there was a whole plethora of mm. opportunities to do something uh, in hospitality. Yeah. yeah. And it always fascinated me. Always. What's your viewpoint of Belfast now? Right. So troubles happens, you know, 25 yeah. years, yeah. Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. Out the back of COVID. Yeah. How do you feel looking out at the landscape now? I, you know, something, it, it, you can take two views. You can either say that I've never seen it so bad in terms of trying to exist for those guys that are out there and facing it. Um, but they still have the spirit. Mm. Um, I'm always surprised at the, the potential uh, that some individuals and groups bring to reinvest. And I'm saying, why would you reinvest at this stage? Yeah. You know? Um, and they just have that drive to say, look, I'm sorry, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Um, Mark Byrne in, in the, was at the Clover Group. Yeah. I mean, he's now sort of uh, investing in around uh, uh, the Cathedral Quarter, strangely yeah. enough. Um, and he's, he's just bought the egg as well. And they're going to, it's funny. Did he buy the I egg, was, did he? Yeah, I was actually just going to imagine Mark Byrne because the Clover Group and a lot of other hospitalities, particularly in the Belfast City Centre, during the lockdowns of COVID, mm-hmm. to reinvest it in their businesses. <laughs> to use the opportunity when it was quiet to redecorate, to refurbish, and you're going, what? Every other business was moaning and going, oh, yeah. no, I can't. Okay, everybody, everybody was getting hard up, but never um, put down anything. But the, the hospitality industry, without any doubt, used that Mm. Quiet time, as it were. Yeah. Um, when they when they had no choice. Yeah. And they went, you know what? See, when we reopen, we're going to reopen better. Wow. Yeah. And uh, there's very few businesses have that absolutely buzz and enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. And Willie Jack. I mean, Willie Jack just please. unbelievable. Oh my God, Willie yeah. Jack's just a force to himself. <laughs> he I mean, it's totally. He's a category of his own. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even you know, you think of Pedro uh, in in the Sunflower, yep. and he moves into an American bar. You know, literally, and where that is, on the, on the extreme, mm-hmm. on the edge of, and what does he do? He turns it into a yeah. super venue. Yeah. You know, the Saturday night, you could, or Saturday, yeah. you couldn't get into. Play right. music, and it's just yeah. a proper pub again. Yeah. You know, and you're right, all. like, geographically, it makes no sense. Up in, that's up at the edge of Sealer Town, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you're like, <laughs> class, <laughs> unbelievable. And, you know, um, trying to get a smile out of him is... <laughs> 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 How does what I mean? It's funny you, you had said something earlier about people in hospitality, and I have known Pedro. Oh my God, I've known Pedro more years than I care to remember. Yeah, yeah. And where'd you first meet is, Jerry? I first believe it or not. Road? I used to have. I used to run a, a wee. I used to do a magazine called Pure Folk Magazine. Oh, I didn't know this. If I came up. I used to then with with doing the magazines for them. I had to do bonds, and that sort of grew. Because when we were doing the magazines, Bonds went, well, you do that magazine? And I went, yeah, do you do posters? And we were saying, no, but Jimmy does it. And then after a while, me and the mate that was saying, why are we saying them to Jimmy? We'll do it. Yeah. So we started, and Ledgy was going at the time. All ah, right, okay. And we got a, we got a grant from Ledgy, which my ma tried to take. <laughs> <laughs> you sure that's for you, son? <laughs> what are you doing with my well, post? <laughs> who would send you £2,000? <laughs> <laughs> so he tried to put to our credit you name it, Mummy, can't do that. So that's the crew and then we started doing bonds. Like we we had put on moving it was mostly folk bonds, uh, like some moving hearts, Christy Moore. Yeah. And then I think Eamon McCann got a wee bit oh, you were stepping on my toes a wee bit too much and made it a wee bit difficult for us to get bonds. Yeah, yeah. But I mean I had a good four or five years at oh. 
And because it was a because it was a small business, we decided we would call it Leprechaun Promotions. Yeah. Because Leprechauns are small <laughs> and it was a small business. So that was my train of thought. Which I thought was a brilliant idea. Till you ring up people. Mm. Like we're, we're ringing up, we want we're going to get a new company car. I did all made up. And you were going, um, it's Jerry here. I was speaking to one of your reps earlier. And uh, where are you calling from? And I'm going to go Leprechaun Promotions. <laughs> I did on. And <laughs> I mean, we had an office. So, how University. did that lead to Pedro? So, when we were doing the bonds in the magazine, I had got a letter from someone who subscribed to the magazine who turned out to be Pedro Donald. But I didn't realise that many years later, um, Pedro would have been, well, he started off, I think, the King's Head. He did. And then he joined the Croft Inns. And, yes. Um, and then he was moved. I I was a big fan of Queen's Arcade Bar. Yeah. And I was a really close friend to Cathy Toner and Diane. They were the uh, really brilliant friends yeah. of mine. Still are. <laughs> Haven't seen Cathy in a way, but would still see Diane. So I would, and then, there was the the Bud Gate, mm-hmm. the Budweiser Gate, mm-hmm. which happened in what's the bar across from Europa. Uh, Bud Gate, as in like Watergate, like a crisis, or like <laughs> no, an actual no, physical no, no, gate no, no. that um, you would open. Uh, it was just no, it was Brunswick <laughs> Street around. Uh, was it not? Uh, no, the, the one just facing Europa, the big bar it's still there. Oh, Robinsons, Robinsons. Oh yeah, the, so the, the it was just keg. Bud was never on draft, right? And there was a lot of kegs left, which they couldn't sell. So I think it was just something that was used as a staff incentive <laughs> with agreement. It has to be said with agreement. And yeah. then there was a miscommunication or something. So it was just called Budgate. Right, great. Um, so I don't know if that should be earlier. <laughs> well, so long ago. Anyway, so Paddle was then moved to Queen's. Yes. Yeah. I was in Queens for yeah. a while, yeah. and then I got to know Pedro very well. Then, yeah. And, yeah. and as you said, I mean, he's not known for a smile, but the man would do oh. anything for you. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people in hospitality that he's helped, um, the festivals. There's a lot of festivals, um, and Belfast wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Pedro. Yeah. Um, and just his support for live music, for the arts. Unbelievable. Absolutely and unbelievable. He, he, he went through some rough times. Yes. Jeez, he did. And I mean, he looked during the COVID, uh, totally looked after all his staff. Wow. Yeah. In both yeah. bars. Both bars. Yeah. And still has the same staff before the lockdowns were yeah. in Yeah. So, Matthew, I mean, it's those kind of people that are still there today in Belfast and still prepared, you know, to drive it. Um, uh, I just admire them. Yeah. I really do. Um, they have probably, you know, the vision that sort of nobody else would have saying, you know, oh, we will get through this. Mm-hmm. And I, and anybody, you know, in the financial side of things in terms of overheads from tax and rates and all the rest of it, you're just literally dumping it on them. Yeah. And without any release whatsoever. Yeah. Um, God, I don't know how they did. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't. Fair play to them. couple of stock questions mm-hmm. just to wrap up. Yeah, we ask these to every single person. Probably ask them to you like twice. <laughs> some serious, some silly, some yeah, all over the place. Yeah, no First one, outside of the uh, miracle escape moment, mm-hmm. tell us about the most challenging moment that you've faced and how you're able to overcome it. That's a that's a tough one. Um, the first ink, first, well, we like gut feelings because yeah, it's hard. It's I, hard I, to get it exact, you know. Yeah, um, I remember the emotion of um, working up in Ballymena Depot of um, of Guinness Northern Ireland as it was then, um, and getting a call um, from the dispatch office, and there's a guy down there as a transport manager. He'd been there for years and years, and he said, "Terry, Mister Lavery's looking for you," and I went. Now, John Lavery, believe me, if, if he made a phone call, there was two consequences. And I'm in Ballymena, and um, I went down to see PJ, and he said, did he say anything? He said, no, he said, he just wants to see you in Belfast now. And I said, what is it, PJ? And he says, I don't know. He said, but I'll tell you one thing, son. He said, you're either going to get fired. And he said, at best, he said, you maybe get a promotion. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, I spent 
the 30 minutes or whatever it took me, and I didn't know whether to gut it or whether to, you know, just take my time and think, what am I going to face down here? Um, because as a rep on the road, if someone in the industry decided to take a, a thing again, you yeah. phoned up headquarters and said, he's a bit of a, mm-hmm. You're, you know, the MD was Mr. Navery and he didn't take any prisoners. Um, so I spent probably, and from that point of view, the worst 30 minutes of my life mm-hmm. uh, driving down that road and up no one was uh, of facing. Um, you know the way you think of what have I done wrong? What have I yeah, done yeah, wrong? Yeah. I couldn't yeah. get a positive on it at all. What have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? And I went in there and he offered me the trade promotions manager's job. Class. <laughs> Very so cool. that was, uh, other than that, um, just consequences of looking after, shall we say, personnel on tour um, when they presented a few challenges. <laughs> <laughs> when, when drink was taken. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say, what, what goes on tour stays yeah, on tour. Exactly. Um, stories of it was, you know, <laughs> other than this, I could fill a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, so, I've been no, a couple other, of them tours. And <laughs> yeah. Other, to be honest, other than I'm, I prose, I've really been untouched with mm-hmm. um, really sort of deep emotional challenges. Um, yeah. Uh, thank God. It's great. Uh, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland, dead or alive, out for a pint, who would you take? Where would you take them and why? It couldn't be one. It couldn't be one. This band across here. Oh, now you're allowed like a couple now. Because I had a couple, didn't I? Aye. We like to bend the rules for yeah, well, Jerry's friends. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make a session of it. Jerry and I and, and Stephen McGorian, the Horatio Group, um, who was my um, sales director. He was uh, the finance director or finance manager at, at, at uh, Guinness, became Diageo. The three of us got together. Um, it was where top of the house or somewhere was it? And I remember that as a brilliant, brilliant night. Yeah. I don't know. It was like actually, Matthew, fair play. It's as relaxed as this. It was, mm. you know, it was a night to enjoy. That's awesome. Um, and um, I'd love to repeat that. I mean, yeah. in terms of like, you know, you can't make the same night happen again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but cons- considering some of the people that you have met in your career, that's high compliment. Like I remember, I remember w- there was one event that we were at, and I think it has because I took a photo. Had to be the worst paint of Guinness you were ever given. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say the venue, no. but there was me, you, and Nell McKenna, and it was a big award. It wasn't even an awards. I tell you what, it was. It was the start of was it the Raider some uh, the Raider Cup the Raider Cup uh-huh. and there was the event uh-huh. for the pre-launch the pre-launch yeah and we were there for the dinner and the alarms went off and the kitchen had to close down where was that oh no it, we're not going to say where no, it was. Go, no all right okay <laughs> but do you remember that yeah and that was a brilliant <laughs> night and then I ended up sitting beside the guy who brought the Canadian guy who brought or started or was the captain of the the Belfast Chance Wow. Now, if I had known that you had played ice hockey, hey, what have you talking to your mom here? What are you talking to me? But that's still the end, even though it was the disaster of a night like. Mm-hmm. But it still ended up brilliant crack. Mm. But, I mean, that was a room full of celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jerry, it's, it's, it's people um, that, you know, that, I don't know, make you feel like sort of like, oh, God, I just love this company, yeah. you know. A lot of it because <laughs> there's so much. And you think, of the jo- I had the best job in the world. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I'm, I'm happy to say it. Yeah. It was like falling off a cliff when <laughs> when it finished. I didn't realise it would be. But, you know, I'd got to a certain age where, yeah. you know, make me an offer I couldn't refuse. And, um, and that's what came along. But, you know, afterwards I went, wow. Mm. Wow. And then I have to say, just to squeeze it, whenever... You did move on and then you started your own business and the TLC, which I have to say was just the perfect name 
That was just because every business needs a wee bit of TLC. <laughs> I just thought that I was keep... brilliant. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Well, it did work because of Terry Lockins, yeah. you know, and then oh, yeah, Terry, yeah. Terry Lockins reason, Consulting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I just thought that was brilliant. Which is a good cover, Matthew, yeah. isn't it? It's class. <laughs> it's absolutely what, do you, class. what do you actually consult on? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just consultancy in general, though, is it not? What do you need to hear? What do you need to hear? You tell me what your problems are and the solutions to them, and then I'll put them in a document yeah, and, and I'll, put, I'll put you in touch with anybody you need to. <laughs> yeah. What was it like then, uh, coming off the back of that cliff edge? Because that's <sighs> tough. Because uh, you're in such a fast, fast, uh, fast, I, fast. You know, and then it's just like, yeah. what, what am I going to do? Golf? <laughs> exactly. And no, I didn't. Um, you know, I, as Jerry said, I, you know, we launched TLC. Luckily enough, I was picked up by um, a couple of um, banks in the sense that wanted to get the credit card business into um, pubs and, mm-hmm. and hospitality. Everything was cash in those days, particularly in the rural setting, Matthew. Uh, yeah. If you think, if you went to wherever uh, and somebody sort of said, you know, put a kid, pro- put a card and he looked at it, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I was able to get those through Colin Neal um, and the Hospitality Ulster. They were able to sort of, shall we say, put them in my direction. Great. So that was good. Um, it was so successful that the, shall we say, the large banks decided, why are we using an agent? <laughs> Could we not do this ourselves? <laughs> that was the end of that one. Nice. Um, so that was, uh, well, I'll not mention the two banks. So uh, yeah. yeah and then I worked for a charity uh, for a while at Musgrave Park Hospital, which was very, very enlightening to see mm. the other side of life and, and people, you know, that really... <laughs> God, you know, had something I couldn't understand how they, they could live uh, mm-hmm. with the circumstances that they had to live with. Um, and it was two years doing that. Um, and I was supposed to be in an unemployed reason, uh, you know, but I couldn't take employment out of that. Um, yeah. But just saw me, uh, I just saw it in a different light, you know, mm-hmm. sort of what I was doing and how easy it was for me to do what I did to these people who literally hadn't any future at times Uh, mad Mm. anyway what would you say then Uh, final question is always if you could go back in a time machine right Mm -hmm. to a 15 year old version of yourself oh god when you left school and you had a couple of minutes of 15 year old Terry's time what sort of things would you be saying to him live for today live for today I said, you know, when you asked, uh, yesterday, history. Tomorrow, mystery. Today, it's a gift. Live it. Make the best of it. Enjoy it. Whatever. Just live for today and make the best of today. And if it enriches somebody or enriches yourself, happy days. Wow. Brilliant. Yep. Terry, thank you so much. No, Matthew. Really appreciate it. And really Absolute Jerry. pleasure. Absolute yeah. pleasure. Jerry's got a wee something for you. Yes, it is tradition for the, the podcast. Of, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Keep him oh, away from that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Mr. Larkins. <laughs> Let's and enjoy that with a wee gender yell and the variation. Pleasure. Yeah, Perfect thank story. you. Thoroughly enjoyed it, Roscoe. Appreciate you. <laughs> Tank glass as well. Please, sir. <laughs> Do you remember a DJ called Roscoe? Do you know what? We yes. we interviewed someone and they said the exact same thing. Yeah, there was a Emperor Roscoe. Yeah, Emperor Roscoe. Emperor Roscoe. Or something, yeah. He was he was a guy. I mean, literally, he was right up there. Ice no sweetie tea though. No. <laughs> no. There'll never ever be another sweetie. There was only one, and there only ever will be one. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. I, Have a great I rest of your day. I'm going to get beat up about that so much in this intrigue.